Morning, Zion. Glad to see you as always every Sunday. Um, we have uh, a little bit of work to do today, a little bit of sending off. Um, as soon as he's ready here. Okay. Uh, some of you know, some of you don't, but uh, we are sending off a new missionary today. We are sending off Paul to the Air Force. And so, yeah. So, let's grab a chair here. Um, we wanted to gather around Paul and uh, pray for him, Tom and I, and anyone else who wants to lay their hands on him today. We're, we don't know when he's leaving yet, so it could have been as early as the 13th, and so that's why we're having uh, this time and opportunity now. And so, we want to do that, and uh, just a few specifics to remember, obviously, there's, this is a big change. This is a big change for Paul. It's a big change for his family. Uh, things are kind of up in the air and so forth. And so that, that uneasiness is a bit difficult and stressful at times. Uh, down the road, hopefully, uh, we're still looking at chaplaincy. Yes. yes. So to be a, an Air Force chaplain. And so we want to uh, send you off as one of ours. You know, we, I don't know if this was motivated by... Uh, our experiencing God curriculum things that we did, but it's it's experiencing God ish, like <laughs> you know it's one of those things where people are hearing from the Lord and they're following through with that and taking the steps uh, to to listen and obey Him and follow Him with the, with uh, His plans for them. So uh, why don't a few of you pray and I'll close this off in a little bit. Um, we appreciate you know it's with mixed emotions because. On one hand, we're excited. We're excited as when someone follows the Lord in obedience. But on the other hand, can you join the Air Force and not move? Is that possible? <laughs> that would be great. That would be. So that's, that's our, 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 our hearts at this point. So let's pray for Paul. You can't work from home. Uh, you cannot work from home. <laughs> Lord, you know I'm going to miss him. <laughs> Keep him safe. Mm. And bring him home. Mm-hmm. Dear Lord, we... we Come alongside our brother Paul and um, and his family. We pray mm-hmm. that you would bless their his efforts and but also be with his wife and children um, because it's it's a joint effort. And the best part is in their in that joint effort, they have you. Mm-hmm. You you are going to be right beside them as they take on this new very challenging uh, journey, but it will be worth it. Um, let him remember and be aware of how much we will love mm-hmm. him and miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just so thankful to have had Paul in our life here. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the enthusiasm he has to worship you, the end game of wanting to be a chaplain and he, he's achieving di- different things in different environments and everything, but I know that you're going to be with him and you're going to guide him and protect him and his family. Lord, we're going to miss Paul more than he's going to miss his beard. And Lord, we thank you so much for all of the great opportunities we've had to be ministered to by him and to share uh, in our worship with him up here and we're going to miss him greatly, but Lord, let him be a light 
He's going to shine brightly where yes. he goes, that he can spread the gospel and, and this good news. And Lord, we know that the government and the military definitely needs more light. And Lord, mm-hmm. we just pray that mm-hmm. uh, his light would not be outshined or, or covered up by the darkness that he's going to encounter. But Lord, we, we believe mightily in you that you have a purpose for him and he's heard your voice and that he's going to take his family and experience God in a new way, in a new place, and God, that you would keep him safe and keep them uh, protected and that they would all get to start new friendships and get a great church where they go or wherever that you take mm-hmm. Lord, for however long he's serving. Uh, we still know that he's serving you uh, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. God, I remember when years ago when this long-bearded guy showed up uh, and with, with extraordinary knowledge of the scriptures and, and of the languages, and, and uh, Lord, you have uh, bonded him to us as his family members and, not, and a brother and a friend uh, to someone who we just, just enjoy being around. And Lord, you have used him in multiple ways here, and his presence will dearly be missed. But God, we send him out with a full heart. A full heart knowing that you are with him, your spirit empowers him. He does not need to rely on his own talents and skills and knowledge. He can rely upon you, Holy Spirit, to guide him, to speak to him, to help him when he's lonely, to help him when uh, the, the tasks are difficult. And so, Lord, we, uh, we, we uh, turn him loose. We, 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 uh, I'm fighting for the words here, Lord of what uh, we are able to, to see and experience. And we pray, Lord, that you will keep us uh, bound, keep us connected, that we might be able to hear how he's doing and uh, hear what you are doing through him. And so, God, we um, uh, know that at some point uh, we will all be unified back together again as your people in a new heaven and a new earth. In your name, amen. Now, as they're, as they're finishing up there, uh, want to encourage you, you know, we, when it comes to worship, we could, we don't even need to sing. We could worship any possible ways. We're used to in our culture and our churches to do so in song. Um, 
and whether we have musicians or not, but boy, if you're, if you're someone who's thinking, you know, I've, I've played guitar, I've played piano for a while, and maybe God's speaking to you, uh, we have spots available uh, where you can minister in that way. And so I'm just going to uh, let that out there as well. Um, but, you know, again, we might, uh, God, we, we worship through multiple different ways and multiple expressions, but uh, I just wanted to make that, that need known to you as well. So... Um, we're going to continue in our series here on the parables uh, of the kingdom, what they are about. Uh, th- this is about a parable of a man with two sons. And remember parables, they are, when, don't misunderstand, they're fictional. So, so there, there really wasn't two guys, who, two sons who said these things that they're saying to their father. But Jesus really said them. Jesus really taught them uh, to give an important point. And I, and I told you before in previous weeks that when it comes to these parables, Jesus didn't just you know, kind of random throw them out there for whatever reason. There was a specific context. There was things that was going on that would lead Jesus to tell that particular parable. He may have also repeated them in different places, different contexts. So, for example, you might read one parable in one gospel and and the same parable in another gospel, and maybe the wording's a little bit different or something. It's maybe because they were spoken. In fact, it's likely that they were spoken and taught at different times. So the wording wouldn't be exact. But what's going on here in the book of Matthew that Jesus would tell this parable about two sons. Well, if you go back a little bit earlier in the chapter, he has just entered Jerusalem. And this is the, the time where he's pretty much entering in Holy Week. He is, he is coming in on a donkey, on a colt, and it's Hosanna, and they're waving the palm branches and everything for him. Uh, and, and then he gets to the temple, uh, which today the only thing left is the Temple Mount, the actual foundation, but the temple was there. And so they, unfortunately, they being some of the leaders, made it into a marketplace, and not just a marketplace, but they were ripping people off uh, in, their marketing, in their marketing and also in the money exchange. It was a huge, huge racket where people were getting ripped off right and left. Well, Jesus comes along, fashions a whip, a cord, and he just starts turning over all the tables. And so they, they start to say, who is this guy? Or really to him, Jesus, who do you think you are to do these things? There's also some healing. There's some times where the kids are all coming to him and, he's, and, and they're shouting praises. Hosanna, who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is rebuked. Why are you letting these children say this about you? And essentially Jesus says, well, it's back. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not brag if it's true, right? Is that, that old expression? And so who does he think he is in allowing these kids to do that? Now, they're going to ask him that question, and he's going to res- answer their question with a question. Who do you think you are, Jesus? He's going to say, well, let me ask you this about John the Baptist. This is not the author of the book of John. This is another John, John the Baptist. Jesus is, I guess we would say, his cousin. Now, I want you to remember John the Baptist because it's going to come up later in this parable. 
because John came preaching repentance. He, and, and, and he had his own baptism. And Jesus said, okay, was John's authority, you're asking about my authority, was John's authority from God or was it from men? And, and the, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they get together, it's like, oh, oh let's have a quick converse, you know, conference here. And they say, if we say from God, then Jesus will say, well, why didn't you believe them then? Because they didn't. John called for repentance. John called for people to turn from their sins. They didn't do that. But if we say, well, it's from men, we're really scared what the crowd's going to do because they held John to be a prophet. So they said, well, let's tell them we don't know. So that's what they did. They went back to Jesus and said, well, we don't know. And so Jesus said, well, then I'm not going to tell you where I get my authority. But let me tell you a parable. Let me tell you a parable. This one's a little bit different than the parables of the kingdom we've looked at before because there was a very clear statement in the other parables where it said the kingdom of God is like or the kingdom of heaven is like. That phrase is not here. It's more implied, but the kingdom is mentioned later in the parable. So let's look at Matthew 21, starting at verse 28, until about the middle of verse 31. So again, Jesus still speaking. What do you think, he says, a man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. Wow. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two sons did the will of his father? And again, he's talking to these leaders, these religious Pharisees, these people that are trusting in their own righteousness. And they admit the first one did. Even though the first one said, I'm not going, later, uh, yeah, okay. And he went. He went to work for his dad. So when Jesus asked, what do you think? It's kind of asking, well, how does this seem to you? And they answered. He wants both his sons to go to the vineyard. He's ordering. He's not asking them. Son, go work in the vineyard. Son, go work in the vineyard. Obviously, it's only the first son who actually did what the father admitted. Even though at first he backed off. Well, What's Jesus' point in this parable to them? Let's continue reading in verse uh, 31b. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. For John, remember John, John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your mind and believe him. Jesus uses this expression, truly I say to you. Other translations will use the word amen, and that's really what the word is. Same, same word we say at the end of a prayer. It also means truly, or I'm really being serious. He is verbally highlighting and changing the font of these words. Amen. Truly I say to you, pay attention, clock back in. This is important. This is the consequence of your answer 
about these two sons. Now, who, who's represented who in this parable? Well, the father who's talking to his sons, that represents God the Father. The vineyard. This is one of those instances where it's a little unclear, so I just want to let you know that. Uh, does the vineyard represent anything in the parable? Well, in the Old Testament, Israel is called a vineyard. It could represent God's people. So that the failure of the second son is failing to minister to the people. Just Jesus never points that out specifically, but it could be. Well, who's the first son? Who's the first son that said, no, I won't go, but he went later? Well, Jesus tells us that these are the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Remember the historical context going on here. Israel is under martial law from the Romans. The Romans have come in and they have taken over the Holy Land. They are in charge. They have their garrisons that are there. They rule the land. And Israel cannot stand them. They are very, very bitter against them. Watch that old Charlton Heston movie, Ben-Hur, and you get a good idea of how they felt about the Romans. But there are two types of people that shall we say, did business with the Romans? One was the tax collectors. The Romans collected taxes. And they hired Israelites to do it. And they tended to be dishonest. Because what the Romans would do, and I'll just use round numbers. Let's say the Romans said, collect a dollar from everybody. And as a tax collector, you were required to Give an account, yes, I got a dollar from everybody. But you know what the tax collector would do? He would say, I'm going to collect $2 from everybody. I'm going to collect $3 from everybody. And he would pocket the difference. Did Rome care? No. Rome just wanted their dollar from everybody. But the tax collectors became rich. And they were doing business with these occupiers that they couldn't stand so much. Well... Prostitutes, not the most noble occupation. We've known that from history. But guess who the prostitutes were also sleeping with? Roman soldiers. So they had a special, these two groups had special animosity from the Jewish leaders, especially the scribes, especially the Pharisees. And Jesus said that first son who said no to God, they're like tax collectors and prostitutes who repent. This young man in the parable changes his mind. And they did as well. They heard John's preach. They heard John's message. And they turned their lives around. The second son, well, these are the chief priests and the elders. These are the leaders and their problem is they didn't think they needed to repent. So when John said, hey, you all repent, you know what they thought? Well, I'm cool. I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. What do I need to do? There's one great story, and it, it, it used to just 
not make sense to me when Jesus, would, when Jesus said this. He, he said to these leaders who weren't repenting, oh, well, I came to, uh, or let me say it correctly, only sick people need a physician. And I said, why did he say that to him? I think he was being a bit sarcastic. I think he was kind of making fun of them in a way, saying, you guys don't even know how sick you are. You don't know that you need repentance. You don't know that you need to turn and follow the Lord. The, the commentary Tyndale says they were professionally religious whose self-righteousness prevents them from responding to any call of repentance. That was their heart. Jesus condemns them. He, he says, look, the tax collectors and the prostitutes that you despise so much, they're going to come in before you. You won't. Remember last week, we talked about the first and the last? We could say, well, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they're the last. God, but they've repented. They're going to come first. And you're going to be last. He then talks about John, John the Baptist, and said he came in the way of righteousness. His message focused on the kingdom of God. We're doing these parables on the kingdom of God. Back earlier in Matthew, John's message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. And he's talking specifically about Jesus himself. He was sincere and honest. They didn't believe. They didn't repent. They refused John. They refused Jesus. And this isn't the first time where Jesus calls them out for their self-righteousness. Uh, you can look back in Matthew 9, uh, 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 with that whole passage about them needing, not needing a physician. Now, when he talks about repentance, there's a word that is most typically used in the New Testament. Just a little, little Greek words here for you this morning. It's metanoia. It means repent. This one's a little bit different. It's metamela... I gotta say this. Slow down. Metamelomai. Sounds similar, but it's a little bit different. It means a little bit broader than repent. When we think repent, we think doing bad things and then turning and doing good things. This word means that, but it could also mean just changing your mind, like regretting. So the first son, he said no, he kind of regretted, he changed his mind, he went back. It's a little bit more than just repenting. But it's also used by Jesus but for these guys, they're, they're, they're not just not repenting. They're not thinking correctly from their behavior. So what does this parable mean for us today? Well, there's several things that we need to keep in mind. One is that words and actions need to match. James tells us that in James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. We're not saved by works, but there should be some fruit that comes about it. There are people that talk a good game, but when it comes down to it, their lives are not matching up to what they say they're doing. The next, the other thing to, for us to keep in mind is this idea of obedience. When God tells us to do something, are we doing it? And there are plenty of commands in the Bible, last time I checked, for us to obey. 
we've, we've mentioned before. What are the top two? Number one is what? Best commandment. Top commandment, love God. Second commandment, right on its heels, love others. How you doing? How are we doing? How are we doing as a church? How are we doing personally? How am I doing in my heart when I see people that offend me and wanting to love them? It's easy to answer. Again, it's easy to talk a game. Oh, well, of course I love God. Well, God was very specific about what it means to love him. It means he is the top priority. He's, there's nothing above it. You mean over my family? Yes. Now, it doesn't mean you abandon your family and you hate them and so forth. It means, it means over anything else, we love God. It means if you ever come to have to do the decision between your family and God, it means you love God first. And, and sometimes people have to make that decision. Often they do not. But are we obeying what God said? Like going into his vineyard to work. Am I, are we doing what he says? Here's another one. Take up your cross and follow me. Does that sound fun? You get nailed to crosses. You get crucified to crosses. We live in a very comfort-loving kind of culture. Do you, what if we lose some of our comforts? What if, as many suspect, as we're, as we're facing it more and more in this world, what if we start to get persecuted and we get uncomfortable? Pick up your cross and follow him. That's a command. How about be filled with a spirit? We did a whole series on that. How about worship him alone? So if we have other idols in our heart, God says worship him alone. Worship him alone. Entering the kingdom of God requires heart repentance, not religion. Religion relies on itself. Religion relies on doing what I think I need to do that I might win brownie points with God. I did an example years ago of the difference between outward and inward for my Bible school students when I taught Bible in a, high, in, in a private Christian school. I took onions and I dipped them in caramel and some apples and I dipped the apples in caramel and I brought them to class. And I let the students, we played a game and you win a caramel apple. And some of these kids took that onion and they bit into it and got a shock. <laughs> because the inside matters. It looked great on the outside. It looks sweet on the outside. And a lot of believers are like caramel onions. We rely on our presentation. I, I just I did a, an email this week through Zion, and one of the one of the examples is Lent. There's nothing right or wrong. I mean, if you don't observe Lent or, or you do, it's okay. I'm not criticizing the tradition. It is a tradition. It didn't come about until several hundreds of years after the church was formed. But there are rules about Lent. Like for example, you don't eat meat on Friday, or you fast. Why do people do that? 
The heart issue is key. The heart issue is key. If it's out of worship to God, if it's out of wanting to, to give up something for Him, but if you're doing it because it's a rule to follow, I want to challenge you with that. See, but there's a real tricky part to all of this. Because many of the things that people do as following a rule are good. We encourage them. We encourage you to come to church. We encourage you to read your Bible. We encourage you to pray. But only you and God know the heart behind it. Why do you do those things? You cannot, you and I cannot earn any brownie points, any extra approval by God by doing these things. Who do you love? But Jesus talked about repentance. And he, mentioned, and he mentions John in talking about repentance. The person who repents, first of all, sees their need. Oh my goodness, am I in trouble. It's one of the reasons, by the way, I like our three-circle illustration that we've used to present the gospel because it brings that out that you cannot get back to God by yourself. You can't get back to God by being a good person, by being moral, by following these rules. You have to go the route of Jesus Christ. You have to turn around. It recognizes the need. Oh my goodness, I'm going to hell. Oh my goodness, I'm breaking God's law. I have the answer to him. What am I going to do? First thing is you got to recognize that need, that need. And then recognize your status. I am unwelcome by God. I'm at the business end of God's judgment. And recognize that you and I are hopeless. It's, it's a very humbling thing to say, wow, we really need it. I, I am in so much trouble. I've never been in that much trouble before. There's an expression, and I can't, I would give them credit if I remember who said it, but they, they said, as advice of this, preach the gospel to yourself daily. Because if we're looking just at other people of, oh, these ones who do this and those who do that and those who believe this, they sure need to repent. But folks, let's bring it back to our own heart. Say, I, I, I needed to repent too. And, and even if you're someone who you know, God saved you from your wicked lifestyle when you were five years old. Maybe you didn't have chance to sin like some of the rest of us did. You need to repent too. Preach the gospel to yourself. Preach it out of, out of thankfulness and gratefulness that God has made a way that you and I can come to Christ. Repentance is available to even the self-righteous. And by the way, you keep reading in the book of Acts, many of the Pharisees came to the Lord. I suspect one of them was named Nicodemus. From the Old Testament forward, God has always been concerned with the heart. Let me just give you a couple quick more verses uh, from Matthew. Uh, Jesus said to me in Matthew 7, 21, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who comes to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father. Matthew 12, 50, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The spiritual relationship is greater worth and value than the, even the physical relationships. Following Jesus, and I think this is a, a great 
plague in our particular culture and environment. And I'm, I'm talking about where we live as a whole. And there are other places where it's like this. But there is a, this kind of unwritten rule that it's all about rules. It's all about just doing religious things. It's a heart issue that requires repentance. Humble, coming to God, yes, God, I need you, I believe you. You're right, I'm wrong. It pleases God when we repent, regardless of what we have done. Let's, let's spend some time praying. We're going to have time also today to celebrate and remember the Lord's table. Maybe you need to get some things right with him. You've been relying on your own righteousness. Hey, let's praise him, first of all, that God's kingdom is beyond and better than any kingdom here. It is. And maybe there's something specific where you say, I will follow up my words with the actions of, and you could fill in the blank. And if you've been with us and we do this pause and pray time and it's been uncomfortable for you and you've not, not wanted to do that, um, you know, maybe you just want to say this one sentence prayer, this third one here. Uh, and again, don't, I'm not trying to twist any arms or anything, but just maybe making it a little bit easier. Maybe just pray this one sentence prayer. God, I want to love and worship you from my heart. And we will join you in that. Let's spend time in prayer before we remember the Lord's table. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
kingdom of God is like a merciful, loving father. Like a merciful landowner who pays his late workers far beyond their worth. It's really you-centered. Oh, and, oh, and Lord, what a privilege to, to, to worship you more than anything else. And it's part of being made brand New. It is a hard issue, God. And we don't want to be just rule followers like these, these men that you rebuked so many thousands of years ago. We want to be um, just remembering we're able to dine with you like you dine with tax gatherers and prostitutes and sinners. God, I pray for myself. I pray for a, an attitude of humility that, that I would remember your words with the actions of, of honesty, the actions of, of carrying through what I, I know you don't want me to do and what you want me to do. And I do want to love and worship you from the heart. Not out of any obligation, not because it's my job, not because it's uh, expected, but because I just can't help it. We invest in what we value. I invest in what I value. I want to value you among everything else. God, as we approach now this time, this time to remember the, the sacrifice of Jesus, we remember the bread as it represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And we remember the, 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 the cup that represents his blood that was shed for us that we indeed might be able to repent, that we might be able to, to come and be righteous before you again, to be declared righteous, to justified as Romans 8.1 tells us. It's not us. But oh, to, to live out that new heart too, Lord. We pray for your grace. We pray for your strength that we indeed may do that. So God, search us now. Search us for the, 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 the issues in our life and our heart now before we come to this very holy and sacred table to remember what you've done for us and continue in our worship. In your name, amen. Please come forward when you're ready. This is not necessarily something from experiencing God and listening to him, but it's like that. <laughs> uh, but we've been able to uh, start doing more with living in liberty. Uh, our, uh, one of our, our kind of regional missionaries, we for a while have just been supporting them uh, financially. Um, but we've also been asking you to bring some things in. And, and Lori, I don't know if you want to just stay there or... Okay, yeah, she does. Okay, <laughs> Could you just project nice and loudly and tell us what's been happening with uh, the donations that we've been bringing in for the, specifically for the Butler Care Center uh, with Living in Liberty?
right, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Lori, for setting those things up and organizing it for us and delivering. So, yeah, the cards are back there for February, what we are asking. Uh, the other thing we are doing, um, and that several of you have been encouraging me with, is I'm speaking to groups about how to prevent kids from getting caught up in sex trafficking. It is, I just, I heard the stat I heard, and this is absolutely horrifying. The average age is nine. And so that means there are younger kids and older and, so, and, 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 and adults as well. And so I have an opportunity twice this week uh, to do presentations on how to, how to prevent, uh, uh, or what to watch for, for kids. Uh, and I've already done this for Carn City High School teachers. Uh, we'll be doing it for Rotary Club. I've already done it for one Rotary Club. We're doing another one tomorrow. And then on Friday, I'll be at Monita to talk to their teachers about what to look for. And so, and then we're just, we're seeing where this goes. There might be other opportunities too. So I appreciate your prayers this week uh, for that. The next announcement is regarding our Lenten gatherings. And actually, I'm going to be talking a ton this week because I'm speaking this Wednesday at the Lenten gathering at uh, Faith Fellowship in, and it's not Faith Fellowship, Faith Community in Bruin, so as you drive into Bruin, it'll be the church on the right, but generally you need to park on the left-hand side of the street. Uh, encourage you to be joining us every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. There's a schedule back there. It's on the half-sheet yellow paper, and you can find out where we're going to be. On the 21st, we'll be here, and so we'll be hosting. I have a favor. I ask you if you could do something for us n next Sunday. Could you bring a dozen or two of cookies and then that way we'll just we'll use those for Wednesday night for hospitality for the other brothers and sisters in the Lord who will be joining us. So next week, bring some cookies uh, and we'll take care of them on Wednesday night. Uh, and then again, it's going to go all the way till uh, the week just prior to Easter. Uh, and then there is the Good Friday services, and I'll, I'll inform you of those later. Today, also, where it's, it's the same day as we do our communion, we have our prayer time at noon sharp. We're going to start right down here in the front, and please join us for that. We'll pray for about half an hour. Let's continue. 